All right, guys, welcome to a new episode of the RCR podcast. I'm the Roman, or Nick. I'm Brian, Mr. Regular. And uh, basically, it's been kind of a busy week. Uh, It's kind of funny. It's that after last week where you sort of made your national TV debut, and now I'm kind of doing something similar. Well, not really that similar, but it's... it's a few okay basically um i mentioned this a little last week but basically i was asked to be a part of this feature-length dale documentary uh that was being produced by this filmmaker out of los angeles and long story short he has some pretty big uh sort of financial backers i suppose yeah he got investors yeah and apparently and he told me this when i showed up for the interview that uh he used my Dale video as the proof of concept huh. to sort of say, like, hey, this is your audience for this thing. And apparently that was what got some of the investors on board in that they kind of saw... Because my story, like my video on the Dale, the tale of the Dale, is uh, kind of a Cliff Notes version of it in that there's a ton of stuff that I didn't even know about at the time uh, that the filmmaker revealed to me because he has access to better notes he actually went through uh interviewed a lot of people who were involved at the time got official documents got a lot of uh old uh period appropriate news articles about Mm. it at the time and some of those news articles that he shared revealed some facts of the case that i kind of wish i had had in my video in the sense that there was even more to that story than I even knew. You know, jury tampering was going on during Liz Carmichael's trial. Uh, There was a hitman who alleges that Liz Carmichael asked him, or put out a hit, or hired him to commit a a murder on uh, the DA who was investigating her. What? And, you know, just all these crazy things. And even, I can't believe that this was something that I didn't find out about, but... uh, that there was a, one final test drive right right at the end of the Dale uh, lifespan where basically all the money was gone, but they had this Japanese automaker who was interested in investing to the tune of $50 million. And if they'd gotten this really? investment, it would have been able to pay all the employee, employees, would have been able to start production or resume production, it, but... But the whole thing is, I don't think there was any intention to never make it. It would be just, she'd just pocket more of the money. Yeah. Say, we're going to, I'm going to rule the auto industry like a queen. Yeah. And then, you know, flee to Mexico because it's the 1970s and that's where you go. Yeah. Because of all those songs from like, I don't think it's me. I think it was an Adam Carolla line that a lot of the... A lot of rock songs in Mexico, a lot of rock songs in the 70s were about fleeing to Mexico. Yeah. As if that's... Just escape, like Mexico is a wonderful place. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I've never been. I've heard beautiful things about it, but um, I guess it's much like in the United States. It all depends on where in Mexico you go. Yeah. Uh, But basically, um, it was all riding on this test drive, right? And... uh, they basically could not get this thing to work. It was a sort of, uh, basically, uh, the promotional materials at the time were trumpeting the fact that this is a car that can make sharp 45 degree turns, which I'm like, shouldn't any car be able to, <laughs> to? And so when 
what's hilarious about it is this final test ride that everything is riding on that the japanese investors want to see if this car actually works and they make the turn and <laughs> the thing practically almost goes on its side completely yeah. and it's just this complete disaster and i don't know it's fascinating because some of the materials that this filmmaker has are just sort of stuff that i hadn't seen before like these reports from a local news broadcasters by the name of uh, carlson and noise who were investigating the dale over the course of a 12-part series on mm-hmm. the car and also had interviews from liz carmichael herself and oh, we can hear what she sounds like yeah and i realized just how bad and horrible like my voice thinks it because she kind of it's i mean her voice is kind of I can see how people were fooled, right? Because the whole idea is that, or this is a six foot two, uh, two hundred twenty pound linebacker physique, but in a dress and heels. But like when you actually see her, there are kind of like in motion. When you see still photos, you get you wonder yeah. how anyone could be fooled. But in yeah. motion, you can kind of see it. It's just this is someone who decided to lie big and if you're that's going, a good line yeah <laughs> if you're gonna lie lie big like if you're gonna lie i mean don't tell some king kong ass lie that is gonna be found out the minute someone decides to do background i mean this is a person who didn't have a social security number it was complete fiction mm. uh, the driver's license number was the same as the social security number which should have been red flags huh. uh, all over the place and um you know, who apparently didn't have a work history or any sort of documentation before 1972. Um, but also, in the broader sense, through this process, I kind of got to understand sort of what Liz Carmichael's mentality was. Because apparently, before she was Liz Carmichael, he was Jerry Dean Michael, the con man mm-hmm. who jumped bail in the early 60s over a counterfeiting charge. Mm-hmm. But apparently he was also a gunrunner for pre-Castro Cuba, which, what? yeah, it's, it gets weirder and weirder. And I feel I, I, I don't want to spoil everything. I, I mean, because granted, this is a documentary that is uh, probably like a year away from being finished. This is a guy who's been, this is kind of a passion project for him. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was just happy to help mm-hmm. and because um, they needed I guess uh, a third party voice in mm-hmm. the thing uh, unbiased I suppose but mm-hmm. it kind of helped me understand the sort of mentality because when you're a crook sometimes I think you feel that that's the only way that you can continue living because there's uh, no way to live honestly anymore Yeah, and uh, and also realizing that the identity issues that Carmichael had predate the life of crime, I suppose. Really? Which is what I find interesting. I mean, you know, she went through the hormone therapy and went through the operations, although she never specified to what extent the operations mm-hmm. were completed. But, you know, the idea that this was purely to escape from law enforcement. I think was apocryphal on my part i was just kind of assuming but well we all did yeah it was still i mean and it i honestly if you're on the run from a lamb or on the run from if you're on the lamb from the law and it's 1975 yeah and there's no background checks or anything you want to make a clean sweep well clean sweep swap genders and everything yeah although 
because uh, her gender issues uh, predate her life of crime, to me, that's all the more reason to continue saying, fuck Liz Carmichael. It's like, you are an asshole, and... That that then supersedes everything. Yeah, everything's well, now on the table now. Oh, it's like that um, um, Chris Rock joke or bit about um, if you get into a if you get into an automobile accident and one guy is has one leg. Guess what I'm going to be talking about as I get out of the car? Yeah. Oh, no wonder you can't drive. You can't brake. You know that that sort of stuff. But hmm. I mean, well, that then opens up a whole nother, um, you, you, know, you know, mess of topics. Like, if you're a complete shitbag, if you're now involved in calling out a hit on someone, you're an accessory to murder or premeditated murder. Fuck you and everything you're about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where these are people who they didn't have the people who. Uh, pre-ordered the Dale, you know, who gave yeah. money in advance of getting a car. Uh, these were people who didn't have money to just be throwing away on a car, uh, on any car. Mm-hmm. This was during the, you know, Arab oil embargo and the gas crisis, and where it was more expensive than it had ever been mm-hmm. in every time. Yeah. Well, ever, period, you know, yeah. uh, to drive a car. So these people thought, all right, if I can get a car that is functionally indestructible because Carmichael had uh, pronounced the Dale that it would survive. uh, Like her plan for the commercial was apparently to have a tank run over the Dale and a Monte Carlo Uh and show that like the Dale only had superficial damage and the Monte Carlo is destroyed. But now granted, I don't, this wasn't ever anything filmed because obviously, you know, Dale wasn't in working order, but, uh, this was the idea of you get an indestructible car that also gets 70 miles to the gallon. Yeah. In the early 1970s, which, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, f- most people, you know, you're going to save an insane amount of money on gas mm-hmm. uh, getting a car like that. And that's why she made millions upon millions of dollars of investors and consumers and just people who wanted in at the ground floor on this mm-hmm. and yet you know just the idea that you can bilk that many people out of money and not well i mean i can't speak to her mind frame about whether she had remorse for it or not but all i know is that like right up until she was put in manacles or mm-hmm. then thrown behind bars she insisted that this is not a scam and you know, yeah. to the said everything short of like once I get out of here, it's back on, like type of thing. Yeah. Of, and I don't know if it's like the old George Costanza thing of it's not, not a, lie a lie if, if you, you believe, believe it. it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's I don't know. It's just a fascinating story, and I think uh, when once this documentary comes out in a year or so, uh, I I really hope people get to see it. No idea how it's being distributed at all yet, but. I'm really excited about it, and I think it's an amazing story that, I mean, if I sat in a room and was told to make up a story, and I gave you a script with this story, like, most people would just throw it away and say, like, that's not plausible at all. But it really is something that happened, and it's somehow even more insane than I thought it was when I made my video. And when, I know you covered this at the very end, the story ends with her exploiting the homeless. Yeah. How how low are you willing to sink for a buck? 
Yeah. It, it's just incredibly weird uh, that this is... Well, I mean, it's literally the idea of a career criminal and that it's the dark underbelly of, you know enterprise i suppose mm-hmm. of just the because how many people in the world sort of in business have less than scrupulous beginnings mm-hmm. and uh practice in less than scrupulous ways yeah um so but the problem is that liz carmichael i suppose and um she did all of her maneuvering in broad daylight yeah and it makes it even more brazen. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I'm looking forward to whenever this comes out and hopefully, you know, hopefully, I mean, it, this happens with other RCR stories that if people hear about yeah. them and decide like, hey, let me. Now, granted, this guy had been working on this documentary for the better part of six years. Well, so, okay. Oh, yeah. So, but this was something where, you know, I, I, I just felt incredibly you know honored to have helped in some way even without necessarily knowing it of just being a proof of concept of what this documentary could be when done right like done full feature length with you know reenactments and interviews from the people involved you know like that type of thing yeah how uh where'd they shoot it Oh my! Uh, there was this loft um, nearby because they were basically passing through because they were uh, driving cross country and getting interviews from people along the way. And I was one of the last interviews for this entire film uh-huh. that they got. Huh. And uh, basically, they had uh, come over, and uh, there was this loft over in um over in like a shit. I'm trying to think of the area. It's like near uh, Shillington, but it's not Shillington. It's like around Kenhurst-ish. Okay. But um, it was very nice place, uh, and uh, they had a full sound and lighting guys. Real? Uh, yeah. This was like a private residence. Uh, yeah. Well, basically, because it, it was an Airbnb, because they were in the area. Oh, okay. And so they filmed, and basically, that they had the guys. It was all dictated by the um, proximity, I think, of the guys that they hired, I guess. Um, they had because full lighting. Like, how many people were there besides well, you was, and the interviewer? There were two other guys. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a big crew. It was, but I mean, there was lighting, there was sound. You know, did they mic you up? Yeah. Yep. And he's like, "Well, we're gonna feed this through here." I'm like, "Uh." No, I've done this before, but I, it's always a weird thing where I'm saying I've done something before, but I'm also very clumsy in showing that I've done it before because yeah. I'm like, let me go through, you know, and I'm just fumbling around like an asshole. Yeah. And then also the idea that, uh, okay, because my hat has uh, branding on it mm-hmm. and because my glasses have glare, I do the interview with no hat and no glasses. Yeah. So I have to make eye contact with the interviewer, but I can barely see him. Yeah. And I don't. See, so without my glasses. I forget who has the worst eyesight. I think I have worse. Oh eyesight. no, I think I have terrible eyesight. Uh, oh, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Oh yeah, have it. Because right now you're just a handsome blur. All right. Well, you're a blur. Oh, whoa! Wow, this is strong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think. Okay, I think you might win. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, you win. Because <laughs> I'm gonna get a surgery eventually. Yeah. Oh, the LASIK. 
LASIK or something. Yeah. Because um, I can't do contacts because I, uh, I don't know. I I fall asleep in random places at random times. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know. Let me get the. I need a, as I walk away from the microphone. No, it's fine. I can. I mean, I can still hear you. Microfiber towel. Yeah. Is that yeah, well? Right. Oh, I suppose I should mention that next week is going to be a reverse week, where um, I do the review and Mister Regular does the music, and uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, it's funny. I just finished my New York Comic Con uh, 2017 diary, which is 25 minutes long and features like all my photos and videos from New York Comic Con. And the whole reason that I kind of wanted it out this week rather than next week is because I want to avoid the appearance of like next week being Roman week of like because then that's kind of like too much. Because mm. I think I'm one of those people how um, I'm better in doses. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, sure. Thank you. And uh, that, and I also have a. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to try to get it out in time, but like a music video for a Thanksgiving song coming out. Uh, so, again, like I wouldn't want it to be too much, although I guess there's kind of no way to avoid that at this point. But hey, content and all that, you know, I'd like to think, you know, it's easy to avoid. My videos. I had a whole bunch of extra of these, and you can just wash microfiber towels. But I had another one that I washed because eventually, microfiber towels for eyeglasses get covered in your whole in your hand grease, mm. and then they just grease up the lens more. And you just wash them in dishwashing soap and hang them to drip dry. Mm. But uh, so, what have you been up to this week? I have been. I put Staybill in the motorcycle, and that's kind of a way for the weekend. I ran into Justin Kramer yesterday. Yeah? Um, I was going hiking, and there's like a, a mountain trail that goes up to the trailhead along another part of the Appalachian Trail around here in Pennsylvania. And I'm driving my Subaru up. It's got some washboarding, you know, when the water along a dirt road goes into those little rivers and makes those ruts that wear away and you drive on them and the car goes ah, da, 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 da. Yeah. so I'm done hiking I'm driving down it's dusty it's dirty and I know every time I drive it I gotta wash my car and coming up this trail is like this 60s Chevelle and I'm like who is driving a classic car on a dirt road and a, like a bad dirt road mm. it's not like there's rocks and stuff but it's ruddy Lo and behold, it's Justin Kramer just driving his classic car in the dirt. <laughs> so I say, hey, I like whip around and like follow him back up the hill. We talk uh, we talk a bunch uh, up by the state game lands parking lot. Uh, he's working on um, uh, Justin Kramer own, is a co-owner of Slatington Auto Repair mm. in Slatington or not Slatington. Sorry. Slatington is where Justin Kramer lives. He owns Catasauqua Auto Repair. So uh him and his friend they're, they're co-owners of the shop and he was telling me the story about every time like a midas opens up or a discount tire no knocks to eric Pedersen who used to work for them um uh 
or a pet boy or pet boys well some pet boys does stuff or uh jiffy lube or, or any of these places that hire mechanics quote unquote who are making eight bucks an hour and don't don't know anything um who have to follow like online guides to fix cars yeah franchise auto repair oh. even sears is getting like that um who don't have experts they like they can afford that they can afford the mechanics the mechanics they can afford if a mechanic is better they're either going to go into business for themselves or they're going to work for a good shop or the shop won't hire anybody but qualified workers and that's again the, the ongoing problem with bruce hen's garage he's trying to find someone who can just do 30 percent of what i can and that's way above what most average shops need you've been in bruce's garage it's all custom work in there yeah. and uh and oddball cars and JDM stuff that your average shop won't touch. Anyway, so back at Katasakwa Auto Repair and Justin Kramer, in comes a Subaru Tribeca. And the Subaru Tribeca has been to a Midas. And I'm telling, I'm relaying this story like earlier this week to Bruce Hen. And the second I said Midas, Bruce Hen says, say no more. I know where this is going. <laughs> So this lady was having overheating problems, and Midas's solution was to change the spark plugs and sell her on a tune and something called a fuel flush, which they're just printing money. So like that Subaru Tribeca went to uh, 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 back to Midas twice. It says it still has problems, and Justin Kramer just hooks up a pump to the radiator. It's like, well, I'm going to test the radiator cap or something. Uh, what, what specifically? What did he do? He said, well, I put 12 pounds into like 12 pounds of pressure into the radiator, and immediately coolant starts leaking out of the radiator down at the bottom. And he says it wasn't just a stream; it was like a a, a oh, what's the name of that type of falcon where it's like a sheet of water that comes out. That unbroken uh, cascade, yeah, and he said that was the uh, antifreeze that, were, that was coming out of this. And he says, "Like, well, radiator's toast." Yeah. So, so um, Justin said, "Well, recommend we change the radiator and change your hoses and change this and change that." And the, and the lady said, "Just give me a new radiator." And he's like, "All right." <laughs> so that that Tribeca gets gets a new radiator. Because the first question was, a Subaru is overheating. Prepare yourself for the $1,000 bill that is the head gaskets. $1,000 plus head gear. That is the head gaskets. Um, but it wasn't that. Just the radiator. And and uh, Justin said, well, I assume it's okay. Because I didn't hear any call. I didn't get a call back. And he said, that's the thing about auto repair. If they don't call you back, it's good. Do you ever call a mechanic back and say, everything's fine, thank you? He says, I've never gotten that. So I guess the nice thing would be is that if a mechanic fixes your car, like a nagging mother who says, now you write a thank you letter to grandma for giving you $10, call your mechanic and say thank you. Yeah. It works great. Um, other things this week. New tires on my Subaru, so I am I welcome winter. You're set Depends. for the season. Yeah, uh, I've never had four wheel drive, or in this case, all wheel drive, and I, and it's a stick shift Subaru. And when it snows, I'm gonna find out what this four wheel drift is all about. 
Oh, I can't mm. wait. I'm also um, surprised to learn that uh, your average uh, Subaru, even the manual ones, are they're not locking they're not limited slip diff and certainly not locking diff it's open differential front and rear which means you're still going to have your 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 wheels are still going to my cousin Vinny, um one wheel spin and the other one not doing nothing but now you've just doubled it like well it's going to do that in the front and the rear they won't it's not going to lock up so but we had that one thing with that one Subaru up in Centralia where we just went in snow, dead stop, floored it, and it pulled itself out. So I'm running hand-cooked tires. They're, uh, they're called high-performance all-seasons. Um, normally, I wouldn't have run something with the tread pattern it has. The tread pattern still narrows and still has a bottleneck as the, uh, as the groove cuts to the outside of the tire. Um, which Nush from uh, Moyer's Car Care says that's really not that good. He said, but they have secondary ones that go the full length. And he said, look, these tires are $108 a pop, and they're covering them with a 90,000-mile warranty. Mm. No tires last 90,000. They last like 40,000. He said, well, and he says, Hankook has always been good about honoring the warranties through us, meaning going back to Moyer's Car Care. So he said, look, for, for a 90,000-mile warranty on these tires, I say, get these. So that's what we got. So I'm going to drive in the dirt with them. Very nice. Yeah. I wonder um, if we're going to miss some of the worst of it, in of the winter, in the sense that New Zealand starts late January into early slash mid-February. But then I remember some of the gears are off sometimes like last year the worst blizzard that we got happened like right around mid-march yeah and that like, was screw you yeah because it always does that well it doesn't always do that but in pa you think you're done it's like our summers and winters um are like that one person who goes all right he's gone wait i hear him coming back up the stairs off oh, yeah, you uh, think Jason Voorhees is dead, and then <laughs> boom, boom. There's always right back. They're all they they always they always come back like uh, Hulk Hogan regaining his strength. Yeah, at Hulk the end of hulking up, <laughs> just, oh, like shaking his leg. He's not done. Not done. I saw this video online of him doing a promo in 1995. Holy that, shit! Uh, out. Yeah, but the weird thing is, uh, the the big hook is Hulk Hogan says "brother" 23 times in two and a half minutes, and it was almost <laughs> like a weird Rick and Morty thing of you know him uh, of how Rick always has to say Morty at the end of it, everything at the, mm. you know, but, uh, like, let me tell you something, brother, <laughs> when this happens, brother, I'm gonna take him to the, the, the <laughs> ends of the earth, brother, because when he's big man, Vader, brother, it's just the most incomprehensible nonsense that goes on for, and I love Hulk Hogan promos, although yeah. it's one of those things where, um, I don't know, even as a kid, I was always a bigger fan of Ric Flair promos. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the 30 for 30 on Ric Flair? No. It just came out last week, and it was amazing, but also really harrowing and sad because they play the 911 call from when he finds like his son overdosed. And I'm like, I did not, not need to hear that. That was very... That's a downer. That Beyond a downer, that's one of those things that like sticks with you when you're trying to go to sleep. And I'm just thinking, like, God forbid if that ever, oh. you know... I don't know. I just felt for him, and I understood why he 
you know, drank himself almost to the point of death. And now this is a guy who already drinks like a fish. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, he was very close to death this year a few months ago uh, oh, from wow. the drinking. Oh. And so now I guess he's got to be off of it. But I he went he aged you know like 20 years in the span of like three months after that hospital stay oh my goodness um so yeah i don't know but definitely it's on espn's website now streaming so if you get the chance like go see the rick flair 30 for 30 because it really is something worth watching even if you're not a wrestling fan at all because it's a story of a man who essentially lived his gimmick and forgot how to be the person that he was he essentially discarded who he was oh in favor of what he became is that Ric Flair's gimmick was was he, was he um he wasn't like talk about inflation <laughs> the million dollar man Ted DiBiase well, well, uh, he was the Ric mil- Flair was just like a stylish guy in the same way oh gosh 80s stuff that I know their full name like Brett the Hitman Hart <laughs> well <laughs> I mean cause Ric Flair kind of was the rich playboy asshole a few years before uh, the Million Dollar Man and what's funny is that Ric Flair's biggest rival at the time was the American Dream Dusty Rhodes who part of his gimmick was essentially being the good guy version of what Flair was I'm like eh I'll tell you that, eh? Like, uh, knock a dream with gonna mm-hmm. gonna t- t- take you to to to, mm-hmm. to hurt in town. I've <laughs> I've dined with kings and queens, and I've eaten all the pork and beans in the streets, that, eh? Like, just like that type of thing. But like, also he's super rich too, and so he's wearing like fur coats everywhere. And the idea that this is what you can become through hard work, mm-hmm. whereas Ric Flair is just like, I'm better than everybody. I I can you know have sex with your girlfriend tonight like, <laughs> and, and he would literally say that to people in the crowd of something along the lines of you know the like I'm not taking you home with me tonight even if you ask me so shut your mouth like just telling people to shut up in the crowd and saying these are custom made clothes from head to toe these are alligator shoes $600 I don't know what that is I'd be ashamed to wear it <laughs> <laughs> I mean you could lose yourself in a rabbit hole of Ric Flair promos it's great but uh it's just also very strange because I feel like pro wrestling is one of the only... Well, I mean, you can kind of see it now with mixed martial arts, but yeah. it used to be that those were the only... That was the only type of medium where you could get away with that type of braggadocio. Right. Well, because this is like pre... The modern interpretation of hip-hop. Right. You know, where everybody's bragging about, you know, guns and butter and... <laughs> guns and butter? <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, that's a line from the movie Baby Boy, where it's just like... Oh. Yeah, it, but, you know, it's just cash everywhere and all this other stuff. Right. I, I don't know. It it was before uh, bragging culture, I guess. Uh-huh. Which is a kind of broad term, but... Mm-hmm. Well, eh. Podcasts. <laughs> no, I was. Uh, how do they? How do they? That was like a weird, awkward silence. And when I was talking to Justin Kramer, I had like these awkward silences. Like, I wanted to hang out and talk. And, and hey, Justin Kramer, come on the podcast. Let's talk. Um, and I and I told him. I told him. I told him if he didn't have time to come here someday, we could just pack up and just drive to Slatington. I mean, it's not far from no. here. It's like half hour. Um, 
Uh, but there were these moments, like there was the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, in that I only really know Justin Kramer through cars. Yeah. Like, have we talked about really anything else? I mean, we've gone, I think, to dinner like once or twice, but it was always after working on stuff. Yeah. Or me just handing him tools or it had to do with the Falcon. I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss it this year because of New Zealand. If they keep doing the retreat from Moscow rally, yeah, um, I want to do it. We can't do it this year because of New Zealand, but next year we could do it buying like a thousand dollar car and let's see how it far it goes and if it ends in nashville or someplace sell the car scrap it and just get a puddle jumper fly home to to uh like harrisburg or something like that well the way it would have to go is we'd all be in the car but you would have to i guess we could just get that'd be a hell of an uber drive from harrisburg international home um tax deductible of course but uh it is what it is yeah the um like one of us driving see they don't have the super discount lots or the park at the hotel and stay for free as long as you stay at the hotel thing um that philly does yeah um unless we preemptively drop off a car at philly Knowing that the rally is less than ten days, because uh, ten days is how long you have with a car before you have to get it inspected. Mm. That's how all these junker cars can exist on these rallies mm. um, with no inspection and a temp tag. So um, you buy the car, and the re- the rally takes I don't know three or four days. Yeah, that would be a logistical thing, though. We would we would have the car. But we'd have to drive down, probably not in it. We'd take two cars down to ugh, Philly and drop one off in the lot and then drive all the way back and knowing that the car is there, then drive up to Moscow, PA, which is up by Wilkes-Barre, yeah. complete the rally, end up in Nashville or something, junk the car while we're there for like $250 in scrap, and... Uh, Uber or Lyft, really, because Uber is a piece of trash now. <laughs> uh, Lyft to the local airport and then fly back to Philly, get in my car or your car, and then just drive home from there. Yeah. Probably my car because I could drop you off on the way. Yeah. Um, hmm. I see you got your phone out, so I think no, it's no, time no. For- I was only because I wanted to throw a shout out. At some point to the Honda Del Sol that was stolen from Lehigh Valley, PA. Okay. Uh, just because I just saw this on the front page of our cars. And I don't know, you know, how many Pennsylvania listeners we actually have, even though it's a thoroughly Pennsylvania show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, a friend's Honda Del Sol. Well, this guy's friend's Honda Del Sol was taken. Fully built, shaved bay, custom bumper, ex- exit exhaust, racing seats, etc. Um Basically, uh, it was from Schnecksville, PA, but got uh, taken. And uh, I don't know. I hope they find it. But it's one of those things where um, uh, plate number Pennsylvania. Is that all right? PA plate? Yeah, oh, you yeah. read the PA plate number. HRM8815. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. If anyone sees it, that's great. And, um, you know, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. 
because that's a shitty thing, mm-hmm. especially for a Honda Del Sol, which, yeah. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's rare enough that, yeah, know, I don't know. Can I see the picture? See oh, what it looks uh, like? One second, because oh, yeah. I... Here we go. What's the uh, cause those old Hondas, I mean, unless you really have them locked down, people so are Imager, it should be coming up eventually. Right. Yep. Loading Imager. Oh, it's a white one. It's a white Del Sol, very clean engine bay. It's got a black lip on the front. So white Del Sol, low, lowered black wheels. It has a black lip on the front. In some of these pictures, there were Nitto tires in that it has graphics on the tires. The windshield has some sparkling letters on it. I put the things on the windshield so I can't see through it. Um, it's got uh, kind of 90s clear taillights and also a black colored trunk. All right. Well, I'll keep a lie up. Yeah. You're just open. Call the police if you, if you see that. I think I found a stolen car. Yeah. Yeah. I also found this website while I was perusing the other day uh, called not in the hall of or not in hall of fame dot com. Okay. And apparently it will list uh, when certain acts are eligible for certain hall of fames. Now, granted, whenever you talk about the rock and roll hall of fame, you got to deal with the people who get mad at the idea of certain acts being considered because they're not rock and roll, even though technically for the past i don't know 20 30 years it's been meant to mean the popular music hall of fame yeah but for whatever reason they just keep calling it the rock hall so Mm -hmm. but apparently next year like a bunch of acts are becoming eligible now this doesn't mean that they're necessarily going or that they're the only acts that can be voted on because anyone who was eligible before and didn't get in Mm -hmm. will go back on the ballot but these Mm -hmm. are people who are going to be eligible for the first time in 2018 so I'm just going to list off some of it because it's just such a random collection. Uh-huh. So, AFI. Do you know AFI? American Hi-Fi? No. AFI. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's, they're a band. Who is, the, who is the band who said, uh, give you hell? Oh, um, um, All American Rejects. Okay. Yeah. That took me a second. Uh, Amy Mann. Uh, Bjork. Huh. Blink-182. Wow, I'm old. Bone Thugs in Harmony. Huh, thought they were in already. Mm. Candlebox, Clutch, Collective Soul. Which I mean, I thought the Collective Soul would have been in it. Clutch. All I remember about Clutch is this one time when I played, played. They played at a ski resort where I worked. They played um, Bear Creek ski area in McCungie, Pennsylvania, but it wasn't for a show. I was working as a ski instructor and Viva La Bam came Ooh. and filmed there. <laughs> and this was like right after I graduated college. Yeah. Undergrad. And I'm I'm working for seven fifty an hour only when I'm uh, teaching a lesson. Like I would get seven to fifty per skiing lesson I taught. Lord knows what they were charging. Um must have been like a $60 lesson of that I get $7 for picking up kids out of the snow for doing it blah 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 complain yeah right Um, but I did it because I love skiing so much and because it was a job I could do and it wasn't retail and it wasn't all of that although I clearly ended up in retail because you can't make money as a ski instructor you just do it so you get that free lift pass you work for tips and this or that 
Um, anyway, so one day, I, I'm sure I've told this story on other podcasts or, or in videos. So one day, the MTV crew shows up, and it was my first interaction with any Hollywood, any producing media anything, and it was Viva La Bam. So, and I was upset to see how scripted the whole thing was. Uh, because, like, oh, this was kind of fun. I mean, I like the CKY videos in the early, early 2000s. Like, those were like DVDs and VHS. No, I watched them on VHS tape. And really, it, that was the sort of prank videos of their day. But it was like faces of death, but everybody lived, you yeah. know. Um, Oh, one of my batteries is done charging. Uh, power tool batteries. The Anyway, the producers were all wearing black uh, sweatshirts, headsets on to, to going to radios, black pants, and smooth-soled shoes that had no business being at a ski resort where you need traction. Um I saw Bam Margera. He was coming down a ski lift as I was going up. And at the end of their three days of filming, and there was a hotel there, of course, at the ski resort that I heard that they just destroyed two rooms, just like punched holes in walls and stuff. Uh, The band Clutch played. And they got a whole bunch of extras to pretend that there was a crowd. But you remember how you saw the uh, stay... Well prepared spontaneous pulling down of Saddam Hussein's statue uh, and it looked like there were tons of people around it but then there was that one photo shot of it across the plaza and you saw it was a whole bunch of people packed in around it and then no one else around yeah. it's like uh, yeah. that, that's that stinks of cook yeah. of, that, of that 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 whole thing was cooked a bit and and so seeing clutch i remember seeing the prepared extras crowd cheering for this band that at the time i didn't hear of yeah um and then i and then in my mind i had this jealousy that look at this guy he's making all this money I followed the rules, I stayed in school, I went to college, and all I'm getting is $7 an hour, and here's a guy who was a detention all-star, hated authority, and was generally mean, was a dick to teachers, and of course I'm an education major, Uh, made teachers' lives hard, and look at what he has, and look look at the nothing that I have. I have my Honda, or Honda, Toyota Echo, that that same year, someone broke the mirror off of my Toyota Echo. Probably as they banged their ski bag off of it, they, they broke the side mirror. Um, and uh, I was always one of the last people to leave uh, the resort every night because I would also teach late lessons. I would teach one of the last, like the 8.30 p.m. lesson that would go for an hour, 8.30 to 9.30. And I'd usually, by the time I get done undressing, it's 10, sometimes 10.30. Maybe I'd make a run for myself, like take one nice burner run down the mountain before I left. And I didn't lock up. Someone else locked up 
and I'm walking with my ski boot bag, and I see Bam Margera's Hummer sitting in the parking lot up there by the hotel side of the resort. And I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, he's got Easy Pass. That's a red Hummer. Wait a minute, I know where the security cameras are here. There are no security cameras pointing at this. There is nothing stopping me from taking my key and running a nice gouge from headlight to taillight. And I didn't. Yeah, well, no, you wouldn't be telling this story if you did. Right. <laughs> I didn't. You know what that line was that that um, from Pulp Fiction, you do not fuck with another man's automobile? You do not. It's against, like, the law. Like, you know, well, well, if I do this, it's coming back to me if, in, in one form or another. Yeah. So I walked home. I've never messed with a, a single person's automobile, but that was the closest I came. And it was about, it was envy. It was just envy and jealousy. Of course, now, you know, look at us. We don't really, we don't have job jobs. Yeah. We're able to get up and do our own thing. And, uh... I don't even know what Ben Margera's doing now. Mm, but, yeah. I mean, good on him for whatever, but... It's strange. Now, of course, I had no interactions with the man other than seeing him and vaguely seeing Don Vito up on a balcony. And then um, I think Brandon was playing like a video game or something like that inside the ski lodge. Mm. I didn't say hi to anybody or anything like that. Um, One of the producers came into the ski lodge and uh, asked us if we wanted to be on TV he had this horrible voice. Yeah. Who wants to be on TV? That's how he said it. Good news. Bam would like to be Bam would like you to be on TV. And the whole thing was he's going to throw snowballs at you. And then and then some some of the younger instructors went out like the ones who were still in high school. They went out and after they come back, I asked them how it was. And they said, oh, Bam didn't throw us at snowballs. It was just some stage. Some guys from MTV threw snowballs at us. And they're probably just going to cut like a sh- It's going to be a shot reverse shot yeah. of like him throwing cut to the snowballs hitting people. Who knows? Shot reverse shot, just like real life. <laughs> but seriously. So it's, that was clutch. Well, <laughs> I, it's funny because right after, well, there's Collective Soul. But then Coolio is eligible in 2018. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of the... Wait, is that Coolio? Okay. Yeah, Corner Shop. I don't know. Uh, Counting Crows. I thought they were in already. No. Eligible for the first time in 2018. Now here's a big one. Dave Matthews Band. Eligible in 2018. Now, I I think uh-huh. like they're the first group that we've gone through so far that I think actually would probably get... Well, actually, no. I think... I mean, call me crazy. Like, Blink-182 has a shot at getting in. Yeah. Like, a real shot. And I think so does Dave Matthews' band on sort of a populist vote. They're not going to get, like, the historical vote. Right. Of, you know... Because they were super indie. Even when they were big, they were touted as the big independent band. Yeah. Um, Dave Matthews was very... Like, now, listening to their stuff, there is a certain acquired taste for Dave Matthews. But they existed in that sweet spot, 1997-1998, where that music worked. Yeah. Something about it, we were, in, we were into that highly technical, 
weird instruments, violin and yeah, rock and brass. roll, electric, yeah, lots of brass, yeah, like Cherry orchestra behind, bands, yeah. Or, yeah, or, yeah, they primed it. The ska, the third wave of ska, definitely yeah. <laughs> primed it. Yeah, it's it's weird in that you had this joke in one of the reviews, and I forget which one it is, where either you listen to Dave Matthews Band or you drive in silence. Yeah, and that's exactly how it was in my high school. You literally were not allowed not to like <laughs> Dave Matthews Band. Like you, you could have an easier time saying, you know. I don't know. Uh, people wouldn't look at you as funny if you said like you liked watching ball stomping porn videos <laughs> or whatever. Then if you said that you didn't like Dave Matthews band, yeah, like it was just one of those things that were completely, you know, you could, oh, well, like for, have you heard have you to me and like, but it's such Listen a good crush. song. Have you heard the space between? Good have you heard Christ. drive in, drive out? We're gonna listen to ants marching right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like under the table and dreaming. We're listening to this iron entire thing. Pulling out my CD. Put on these these cumbersome headphones. Lunch period and listen right now because I'm turning you into a Dave. I don't know if they have a fan name, but you know. Uh, let's see, DJ Shadow, DMX, <laughs> Elastica, Everclear, huh. Faith Hill. Would uh, you call Everclear a one-hit wonder? Uh, well, they had Father, Father Mine, Mine and I Will Buy You New Life. Okay. So, But still, it's kind of, you know, I think it's weird in the sense that you we tend to have less one-hit wonders now in that... If you get one song, you tend to at least get another one. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not as big as the first one, unless mm -hmm. it's a really rare, specific niche th thing, kind mm -hmm. of like The Darkness, I believe, in A Thing Called Love. Yeah. Like, that was a hit, but it was a very specific kind of niche of almost like throwback. Yeah, metal. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Darkness is all right. Yeah. That, that like... Uh, they stuck to a formula like this is classic rock we will play modern classic rock okay um uh, is it just me or am i on my own again also great is is it hipster rock no because it, it, there's genuine effort yeah <laughs> and yeah, for yeah. anything to be hipster it has to be i'm not really trying and, and and the whole subtext of that is if this is what i can do when i'm not even trying imagine what it would be if i did try and then they never try yeah 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 and then uh towards the end of the list uh i skipped a few but kenny chesney uh -huh. liz fair uh -huh. luscious jackson no, I'm not uh, sure who that is. Raekwon. Rancid. Huh. Awesome. <laughs> Love Rancid. Yeah. Out Come the Wolves is 100. It's 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 100. The guy gives 100% for that entire album. It never lets up. Yeah. Rancid is the punk what ACDC is the classic rock. Every song, <laughs> he's giving it his all. Yeah. Um, man, Out Come the Wolves. Uh, every song is hard, aggressive, angry punk. And now it's not, it's not FU stuff. It's definitely, I'm trying to figure myself out. And even at the age of 36, I still like it. I think I have, yes, I have the entire, I have the entire album to outcome the wolves on, uh, on my workout mix on my Sansa clip MP3 player. Mm. which I will take with me to um, 
New Zealand and I need to manually make my own vaporware mixes for the plane. Very nice. I need to make a 10-hour vaporware mix uh, because that flight is 15 hours. 15 or... No, 17. Yeah, it's going to suck. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But that's what over-the-counter sleeping pills are for. Yeah, sleeping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wake me up for meals. Yeah. yeah. And let me know. Uh, then from there, it goes from Rancid to Semisonic. Uh, Shania Twain, Sheryl Crow, Snoop Dogg. Uh, All right. He's getting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg is getting in. He's a team player. Now, the... the, the ra- uh, He is going to perform at that... He is going at at some point in history, Snoop Dogg became safe, and I don't know when that was. Uh, was he a judge on one of those talent shows? No, I think he became sort of safe during the early two thousands when he, uh, when I think, uh, you know, high schoolers got a hold of his "isle" sort of uh, mm. language. It's got weird. suburbanized. Yeah. And I mean, good for them in that they're maximizing their sphere of influence. You yeah. know, Snoop Dogg is a game show host now for this show called Joker's Wild, which I have no idea what it's about, but whatever. Huh. Um, he seems like he's having a good time, so I can't really fault yeah. the guy. Um, but I do have to laugh because the next rapper, like immediately after, is Snow, is eligible. talking about one hit wonders i know one song and it's a completely and utterly incomprehensible pastiche of it's it's the rap version of uh rem's oh crap the song that everybody tries to karaoke sing myself it's the end of the world it's the end of the world as we know yeah that's the rap version of that song or sorry that i got up i went to switch my other battery into the charger or it was kind of like one week before one week i cannot listen to that that song i will not listen to um during the winter months or that album itself um bad memories no no that i have such feelings for for one week and the album stunt that I can only listen to it in late spring and throughout the summer. Mm. Because I had that album in like the mad, like the golden year. It's the golden year, 97 to 99. That, the, the, that triumvirate of years. Crap. That's, those are going to be the three years that I'm going to wax poetic on until I'm in the dirt. Until mm. I'm deep six feet under. Or burn me. I think I'd like to be buried in a burlap sack <laughs> and then plant a tree on top of me. Yeah. Uh, I'll call up Aaron Rodgers, get my living will together. Mm. That'd be kind of neat. I don't know if you can bury people on state game land, no. <laughs> like, bury me in the Pennsylvania woods somewhere. I think you have to own land to do that. Mm. Yeah, so make that one of the next Patreon goals. <laughs> My <laughs> Buy death. land so that he can yeah. bury himself in the dirt. Yeah. And then the last three are The Bouncing Souls. Mm, uh, sorry, I haven't heard of them. The Roots and Tony right. Braxton. Thought The Roots would have gotten in already. 
Yeah. These are, and now, again, it's a situation where these are all people, that's going to be their first year of eligibility, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean they'll get in on the first ballot or any of that mess, but, right. you know, it is what it is. It's a process, and it gets even more ridiculous every year the more people mm-hmm. that are becoming eligible. Mm-hmm. I suppose I got to check out the questions for this week. All right. All right. Um, so this is the segment uh, known as Ask RCR, and you can ask a question by going to our subreddit. It's r slash regular car reviews and posing a question. It could be about anything. It doesn't even have to be about cars, but hey, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It could be advice. It could be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one, uh, how do you think American cars stand compared to other cars available? And could you ever see a GM Chrysler merger or buyout of Chrysler by GM, given the fact that Chrysler isn't doing very well right now? And I feel like Chrysler is never doing very well unless it's, you know, <laughs> unless it's 1995 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Viper is coming out. They, they, they were unstoppable then. Or if it's 19, like in the 60s. But that is a rising tide and all ships were high in the 60s. American yeah. brands. <laughs> Mm. Iacocca in his autobiography did talk about one of the options for Chrysler would be a buyout by GM. And that was one of the things he was entertaining. Uh, See, GM lately has been nixing their own brands, has been trimming their own tree. Oldsmobile is gone. What else is gone? Their Geo brand, that left a long time ago. Um... Holden, Holden is gone from Australia. Huh. Yeah. Um, from used to me. Yeah. So, not now. They're not. I don't think they would buy now. Um, because what would they be buying? Well, they'd be buying the Jeep brand. That's the that's the cherry on. It's a cherry on top of a turd. Uh, That Jeep brand. That name. Is I, I listened to the Rogan podcast with uh, Billy Corgan from the oh, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and um, uh, he was talking. There was it was a lot about the business of the music business. Yeah, and and he said, "Look, um, I hate to use the term brand, but the Smashing Pumpkins were are a durable, durable brand in the same way as ACDC, Guns and Roses." The idea that Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose can completely go to shit and then come back. Yeah. And people are like, all right, we're, we're, we're in. We're all in for whatever you're going to do because you, you are Guns N' Roses. And in the same way, it doesn't matter what happens to Jeep. It's still Jeep. Um, it has that. Oh, that. Oh, that line. Um, it, res, it it resists uh, the Jeep. The Jeep name resists decay like a church in a ghetto. Mm. Like the, I use that in a review. Don't know if that's racist though. I don't because know. I'm speaking from like well the church always. Uh, maybe I won't. But the Jeep brand, it it will take a lot to to sink that ship. And people still love Jeeps in the same way people still love Dodge. So Dodge. Dodge and Jeep can keep Chrysler going, but I don't think right now it's enough to court GM to buy them out. Because uh, I think they're either. Just, oh, I'm sorry, no, I'm no, keep no, interrupting. No, no, no. That 
either they're doing too well or not bad enough for 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 Jeep to want to, or I'm sorry, they're either doing too well or not well enough for, for GM to buy them. What was the second half of that question? Oh, uh, that... Let's see. Buy on Crash by GM, given the... No, it's all the one. How do you think American cars stand compared to other cars available? And could you ever see a GM Chrysler merger or buyout of Chrysler by GM, given the fact that Chrysler isn't doing very well right now? Oh, so they aren't doing very well. Yeah. And the only thing was when, when, where they weren't. Well, I think Chrysler has to keep. I think my prediction is Chrysler has to get worse before GM would consider buying them, in that um, GM likes to buy low, like low, low, low. Um, um, before before Chrysler because well I think what GM would do um, is they if they would buy Chrysler they would gut everything except for Jeep and Dodge that would be it mm. the Chrysler name would go away I don't see anything that Chrysler's making that's aspirational 300 maybe minivan maybe mm. um, minivans are great rental cars and smoking tire likes and that's about it and that's the big question. How do American cars compare to European? <laughs> they don't. They get close with Cadillac and Lincoln. They get close, and they undercut them in price point. I think the, the Chevrolet SS, that weird rear-wheel drive for passenger sedan, is a buttload of fun. But recently, when we drove... Um, an American car, the Focus RS versus another one that's very hot right now. And I said, how does the interior compare? I said, they, they don't. And then there was another European counterpart to those other two hot hatches that, well, this European one has the best interior and it feels the best. But there is an American braggadocious craziness that I think is hard to replicate in Europe. AMG can do it kind of. They can definitely get crazy, but they can't get F me crazy. <laughs> Next question. Oh, uh, do you ever think we will get true small trucks back in America? No. I currently drive a 95 GMC Sonoma, no. the three-door version, and dread replacing it because all the modern trucks are no. just too big and bulky. No, I don't think. Um, it, it, it would take foreign a foreign manufacturer to come in. Uh, someone would have to like paper clip something to get rid of the chicken tax uh, to let small things back in. Now we have safety standards. The Colorado isn't that big of a truck as and it can still swallow an LS motor as Matt Happel proves quite easily. Um, but other than that, there's nothing really out there. Be happy with your Colorado. Um, safety standards were different in the 90s. You could build small. Mm. Can't do it right now. Yeah. So, sorry, man. Yeah. Hang on to those tiny ones. And I think they're a good buy. You find a nice Toyota T... Well, T100s are kind of big, but you find a nice Toyota pickup that was just called the pickup. Hang on to that. You got a keeper. The big thing is, though, they rust. People say they're well-made, and they are. But rust is taking their toll on those things. So you'd have to f find someone as crazy as you and uh, pay crazy money or a crazy person's money to be able to get one or find someone who doesn't know what they have. All right. And last one. Uh, 
Do you consider all cards when they are offered to you, or are there some cards, pitches, people send you that are automatically a no-go? The ones that are automatically a no-go are the ones that aren't, for, uh, aren't formatted correctly. <laughs> Year, make, model, city, state. And in the body, phone number. You can do that. You're... You, I will then move without reading the email to the submissions folder. Yeah. Occasionally, if one's curious, when I see stuff as see stuff that's um, labeled possible car review, well, full trash. Yeah. Unless it's something really, really crazy in there, odds are someone else has offered the same car as you did, and they've made it easier for me to find. Yeah. Your make, model, city, state. I should every now and again post on Twitter, hey, by the way, this is how you submit a car. Well, isn't the link to the video for how to submit a car in the description for every review? Because I could have sworn I saw it in like the description how to submit yeah. for RCR. I should look. And because do you just like sort of copy paste the links for descriptions? I don't even have to do that. It puts them in automatically. Oh, nice. Like, like the merch and stuff. I'll take a look, see if yeah, it's in there. Yeah, because you made a video last year that explains this of, like, if you want to be on the show, format it this way. And I think it, it was David Patterson who shared it. That yeah. was like, or, yes, this. This Because people is the don't understand, yeah. you know. And you need to be able to search things by if we're in California and a car yeah. falls through. Like, and we need to be able to go to the email, search California, yeah. and boom, the suggestions come up. And, you know, last minute. And the thing is that... People assume that when they, and I, I understand why, they assume that when you they send an email, they're going to get an instant response. It might be a year on, yeah. you know, of we just happen to be in the area and we need a car. Hey, do you still have the car? Are you still around? You want to be on the show? Like that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, the other, I think you were mentioning this to me of the instant uh, trash can uh, submissions are the ones where I have access to. Yep, that means you don't own this car. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. I've gotten a few people from dealers that say, I have access to over 50 cars at the dealership I work at. No, you don't. <laughs> you do not have access. I'm sure you can go get a key and when no one's looking, taking it out. But that means you're getting f -f -f fired. Hmm. Yep. That was the last one, and uh, that'll do it for us. I have no idea how long this is running, but it's been pretty good length of time. So, yeah. anyway, uh, thanks for watching and listening, uh, depending on how you're consuming this. Oh, and also, I did submit the application for us to be on Stitcher, so that should be happening soon, provided approval. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, What was going on with iTunes? Um, basically, there's some weird thing going on that I don't know. Uh, I submitted for iTunes, and uh, it keeps coming back uh, validation failure in that uh, either it's because it's hosted on Shout Engine, because it says it has to be hosted on a platform that's some weird thing like uh, HTML or HTT whatever heading. And, and also the artwork has to be 1400 by 1400. And so, and there's a little thing of like podcast artwork and it looks like a clickable link, but for whatever reason, I can't click it to change it. Huh. And so it's weird. And also apparently all the um, episodes on iTunes have to have uh, detailed metadata. 
which uh. is just I don't know it'll happen eventually the one that's probably not going to happen is Spotify because apparently the more I read into it the more hoops you sort of have to jump through and it's pending approval and they might not approve you at all and yeah. so uh, I don't know maybe when it gets to a certain level of listenership then mm-hmm. uh, it'll make more sense but honestly I have no idea how many people are even listening right now because I don't even know how to check on shout engine what our stats are so yeah I don't know. It is what it is. But anyway, thank you for checking out the podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Brian. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good week.